You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Is 101 and more on Brave New Radio. This is your Professor David Kirk, Philip, along with Dr. Esteban Marconi. Actually, that is not true. Dr. Esteban Marconi is on assignment this week, but I will be here to help you out. We have a great guest tonight. Her name is Tima Likes Music. She is a creator, a composer, an artiste. We're going to get all about Instagram and social media tonight with somebody who's making money, making a living doing social media right now. So we're going to learn all about creation and influencers and all that awesome stuff. But before we do so, I want to remind you, check out our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for our newsletter there at the website. Follow us on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at musicbiz101wp or Professor David Kirk Philp, I believe I am, <clears throat> on Instagram. And check me out on LinkedIn as well. This podcast and all of our podcasts are available on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, virtually everywhere where you can find podcasts, but not everywhere and not virtual, although that is virtual. So there we go. We're going to give thanks. Yeah. So giving thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Vernon, Wink, White Hat Management, with artists like Dave Matthews, Streeters, Dan St. Vincent, Kiss, Zach Brown, and Team LX Music. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you're ready. And our thanks go out. To Christine Oy, they, a wealth manager at the Forefront, F-O-U-R, Forefront Group. Christine has helped professionals and amateurs from all around the world manage their investments, plan out their retirement. When somebody like you is thinking of building a bridge to your personal financial future, that someone who is you should think about the Forefront Group and you should go to Christine at Forefront.com. Leave the last oil off for savings. Two quick reminders. WP, William Patterson University, has been ranked one of the best universities of all time. And besides that, our music business program, Billboard Magazine, they are lovers. Possible marriage. We will see what happens, but there, there's, some, there's some goodness going on there. In addition to that, Managing Your Band, 7th edition by Marconi and Phil is out now. There's a hardcover version that's $2,000. 
There's also a soft cover version. Soft meaning, oh, I love you. The soft cover version is only available for 30 something dollars. There's an ebook. There's so many options for you. So many options for you to learn and love all these things that we call music into music business. So those are your announcements. And right now we have our good friend, Tima Likes Music. All right. So recording in progress, Tima, it's great to have you. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Phil? I've never been better. Never better than right now. I should let our listeners know in full. Well, if it was full disclosure, I'd be naked. So it's not completely full disclosure. In the full verbal disclosure and mental disclosure, people should realize that I am also acting as one of your managers of your career, which yes, you are. which might be the punchline of a joke, but we will see <laughs> at the end of this. But thank you for joining Music Biz 101 and more. Tima likes music. I am honored. I'm quite honored. It is wonderful. So tell us, because I, I keep telling Tima likes music. I, for listeners, we had Tima actually in a class that William Patterson a couple of weeks ago, uh, a social media class. And one question I never got to ask that I will lead this interview with in that is Tima Likes Music is what you are called, what you call yourself. Where did Tima Likes Music come from? That's a great question. So what ha- happened was um, I was picking a stage name, like I think when I graduated high school and um I didn't want to like have something that was too different from my actual name because I just didn't feel like answering to two different things but I also didn't want like my actual name I just wanted some kind of separation so my grandmother was like call yourself Tima D and I went by that for like the longest and then as I got older it just felt really childish and really like you know new kids on the block backstreet boys and I was like oh I hate it so I changed my Instagram name to Tima Likes Music and I was just gonna go as Tima and then eventually people just started calling me Tima Likes Music after my handle and I'm like I like that boom there it is Tima Likes Music was born and, and we've, yeah, and that was, uh, then we made a conscious decision not too long ago to really, we created a, a business, an official LLC, Tima Likes Music LLC. And we, yes, we kind of have gone all, you know, 100% into the whole brand idea of Tima Likes Music. Exactly. It, it, it's good to have something that's just like consistent along all platforms like every single thing so that it's not like people have to look a million different places they're not sure like if everything's just the same then it's easy to find you including your website correct exactly exactly which is teamalexmusic.com yes so people can find you instagram twitter youtube it's all teamalex music absolutely everything is teamalex music even my email like my email name is like first name Tima last name likes music so when my email pops up you see in capital letters Tima likes music like it's you can't get away from it yeah that, that's great and your real name tell us your real name because you you the way you say your last name is is, is so emotionally beautiful <laughs> my name is Fatima Diakite Diakite yes that's it like- I, I like that name too it's like you should go on tour, Sade and Diakite. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and people should know when I bring up Sade, even though Tima is, you're 24 years old? I'm 25. I just turned 25. Whoops, she's an old woman. <laughs> 1800s, you'd have seven kids and you'd already, you know, almost done. 
but and I'd be dead. So <laughs> not the 1800s. But where was I going? I had somewhere good with that. Um, I brought up Sade because mm-hmm. tell us your musical background. Tell us the, the style of music that sort of separates you from a lot of other 25 year old artists. Yeah, definitely. So um, to take it back to the roots, um, my mom put me in piano lessons at around five years old. Um, I think she just wanted me to have something to do on weekends and she worked a lot. So she was like, let's just, I want something to have with you. So I'll take you there. You'll do your lessons and like, we'll like eat afterwards. And it was just a routine. And I studied classical music for like, for years. Like that was my thing. And, um, I started so early that I thought piano was like school. I thought like everyone did it. So I didn't think that it was something that could be enjoyable. It was like, okay, you, you practice when you get home and that's that. And then when I was about 12 or 13, I got a C in English and my dad was very mad about that. So he said, it's because you watch too much television. So he took away the television and I was like, wow, that's like so annoying. So I had to find ways to entertain myself. And my parents, particularly my mom, had just like a mountain of CDs, like just like like hundreds and hundreds of CDs. And um, she also had a radio and it only worked on one station, which was 107.5 WBLS, which was the R&B station. So all I would do was just listen to um, her CDs. And for fun, I would try to figure them out on the piano. And then like, as I would go to sleep, I would just play WBLS. Like, I got fall asleep to that like every night for like four years, which like built up my Rolodex. And then eventually I'm like, oh, I like that quiet storm, 70s, 80s, 90s feel. Because for me, that was what was like, I thought this was new music, but current, but it wasn't. It was old music. I thought that was what was coming out then. So I, w- I was behind. And then I went to school, what college, uh, studied music, all that extra stuff. And then eventually I tried to do the whole modern R&B thing. But then like, I realized I was making it because I, I thought that's what people wanted to here oh that's my reminder to talk to you but no um I thought that's what people wanted to hear but then I was like you know what I don't care anymore and I just like let me listen let me play the music that I like to listen to and apparently there's a whole audience of people who like you know quiet storm and new jack swing and um old school r&b music so that just became my whole entire brand and I'm very happy that I can do that well, it's, it's work because obviously if people should go and they should listen. You have a song called Customer Service that came out recently. As we record this, it's the 2nd of November, Year of Our Lord, 2021. And on it's only available right now on YouTube, but it's called mm-hmm. Customer Service. And it's pretty much an instrumental. It has some humorous, and we'll talk about the humor in a bit, humorous customer service banter going on in the background. But the music is Quiet Storm. I mean, you're taking it right back. I worked my first job out of college was with Polygram Records, and we were big into that kind of music. You know, we had uh, Olita Adams and Tony, 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 and um, I can't all of a sudden, Anita, Anita, Anita Baker. Actually, no, we had Angela Winbush. I wish oh. we had Anita Baker. I wish we had was, Anita Baker, but it so was part of that too. So there was that whole style, Luther Vandross, you know, could have been in there, but there's that whole wave of music that's just so rich with melody and just tremendous music and it went away. And so it's great that 
it, it only went away, I would say, because radio decided um, there wasn't enough advertising dollars to support the format, so they went on somewhere else. Yet, as you have found in the interwebs, that there is an audience for that kind of music. Yeah, there absolutely is. And I think it's a sense of when you're into Quiet Storm or music that is like not as heavy in rotation anymore or people aren't really making anymore, you find yourself stuck because you it's hard. like if you're into modern hip hop, there's always going to be a new hip hop song coming out every day. Whereas like if the stuff you like was made like nine like 89 to 95 there's only so many songs and you feel like you're running out of stuff to discover so when you're able to make it or you have people like for example Devin Morrison who I'm obsessed with who's a quiet storm artist or he calls himself dream soul it's like these are people who are making it right now and can continue to make it and like I don't have to just like I can't run out you know what I mean which feels really good yeah the access we have today to so many styles of music is a real open door for you because it's much easier for people to find you all if you're on spotify and you see down below uh, fans also like there we go you know and that's can be a great recommendation engine for you exactly exactly and what we've been doing it's interesting because we're talking so much about the music but the thing that worked for you initially on instagram Music was part of it, but music was only part of it. What was the thing that you discovered you were good at that helped you blow up on Instagram? Yeah. um, Well, one thing that I've always loved, like almost as much as music, is like making content and particularly video content. I remember like part of me like being bored at 12 was I had a little digital camera the ones that you would carry around when you can take videos on your phone and I would like make little videos and like play in Windows Movie Maker and teach myself how to edit and this is before Instagram so I just applied that to Instagram and made like little videos take took my music and made into little videos and this is around the time where TikTok took over and kind of redefined social media as like strictly video and kind of pushing photos out so I had that aspect. And then I also had the aspect of um, comedy. You know what I mean? Um, taking, like, one thing I had to do when I was like, what am I going to do? Was figure out, like, what's something that, like, comes very, like, naturally to me? Like, something I can do really quickly and, like, I don't think about. And for me, it was like, I know I can write about anything. You know what I mean? Like, I could, like, I could... I could write about the wall. I could write. I could write about something funny and make it sound good. Like I know I can do that. You know what I mean? So I w- I just made the choice to write about like funny things, and then make them sound like good. You know what <laughs> I mean? So once I mixed the relatability factor with the musicality, with the the content creation kind of mindset, that's when people s- took a liking to it. Because the fact of the matter is, it's like you have more than one thing to look at. Like, if you're not really into R&B music, you're still going to like it because you're make, it's making you laugh. And let's say you can't relate to it, it's fine because you're enjoying the, you know, the R&B aspect of it or the musicality aspect of it. And it's just a bunch of different layers, if that makes sense. Totally, because we started this conversation talking about Quiet Storm, Smooth Jazz, talking about the music and talking about the artists. And what you have done is sort of, and I, you and I have used this word a lot, change the paradigm of what it is because you're doing the music, you're adding a humorous element, 
the video is part of this. And a lot of people should, or everybody listening, should just go to Instagram and type in Tima Likes Music and look at her reels and look at the, we call them jingles that she does. And the video portion of it is just as important because you annotate all the videos. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to make things accessible. You know what I mean? You also have to realize a lot of the times we're on social media when we're not supposed to be. So um, that often means we can't have our volume up. So what we'll often do is we'll scroll and we'll save stuff to watch later. And if there's no words on it, they're like, okay, this is not worth watching. So like I've learned that that helps captioning everything. And also another layer, uh, another layer that's aside from the music and aside from the comedy is I had, I put a fish lens on my, um, my camera and that adds a level of immersion. You know what I mean? That people like, you know, they feel like they can't escape the like little world that I'm putting them in. So definitely. So, yes. So we have this, not just a visual, not just a video, but it's a specific lens Mm -hmm. that adds to the video. So it's, Uh, a music, a song, you want your own sound. And you've carried that into the social media world because, okay, I have my own sound. I have my own style with the humor and I have my own look with this type of video. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the setting of where you are and with the words on the screen. And also then we sort of have redefined or not we, you've redefined the length of a song. You know, songs, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be three minutes, three and a half minutes long. Um, talk about song length and and yeah. how you've done that. Yeah, definitely. I think when the jingles first came out, they were like really fun because I was able to like get my point across and move on and like just move on and make a bunch of new things every single day. But then I was under the thought that like, okay, like then you have to have full songs. And then I spoke to you and you're like, well, like who says like a one minute song isn't a full song? You know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? Like, that actually is like amazing because like I like I do like just like packing a lot of like chaos and like different chord changes in like a short amount of time and I think that there's nothing wrong with just getting your point across and leaving you know what I mean like you know you know when you're you know when you're done you know what I mean I always like to extend songs for live and make them five minute kind of um experiences and then like for listening it's like a little sample. So I think that when you are promoting something or a piece of art or you're pushing something through social media, you have to like kind of ignore the rules a little bit. Like think about what the rules are and be like, what can I do? Like, do I have to do it this way? You know what I mean? Because then you might know you might come up with something that is totally in your favor. And so for you, what, what rules did you break? Was was the only rule that you were breaking the idea of the time span of a typical song? Um, the time span, also the idea of not making any love songs. This idea that like if the song isn't about love, people won't want to hear it. Um, the idea of making comedy songs like very musical because in comedy songs, they tend to be very like, the comedy comes first and it's kind of like C major F major G and it's like, that's it. You know what I mean? It's, it, mm-hmm. it's the music doesn't come first. Cause you're just trying to get the punchline out. Um, also, hmm, 
there was one more I had. That's it right now. But like, it's little things like that. I'm not doing anything new per se. I don't think anybody could do anything new, but it's just packaging it differently. You know what I mean? Like you have to find a new way to package this. I think that we found it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and the comedy song goes way back, but if you think about sort of the history, I'm, I'm going back to at Christmas time, there's, um, there, there's something about a tooth shoot. Um, I can't, I want, I will grandma got run over by a reindeer is a comedy. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is, um, Steve Martin, who's my favorite comedian of all time, had a song called King Tut. There was, um, Disco Duck by this LA DJ in the seventies in the disco era, um, that, that he had, and they were all novelty in their own way, but mm-hmm. still the, um, full length of a song. They were all still three minute songs and it was a different era. And here you are now. And the, and the concept is you're not making the novelty of using like funny sounds, duck sounds or, or anything like that. It's you're making like a real, the instrumental bed is something that you can, when we say bed, you can actually go to sleep with this. And then it's the, everything else packaged in makes it so unique and interesting. Exactly, exactly. Um, and sorry, that was my fisheye lens that flew across the room. I pinched mm. it. But um, also, I think one extra rule that I forgot about was the fact that I was making like music that isn't quote unquote marketable anymore. You know what I mean? I, I don't think you know this, but um, a couple of years ago, I did like this um, songwriting competition and it was just basically a bunch of songwriters um, we're in front of a bunch of um, like industry producers and songwriters and they we all took our turns and played like 60 second demos not even 30 second demos of three songs and they loved it and I came in fourth place I was one point behind third place and they said you know we're gonna give you a chance to come back but you won't have to pay and I was like okay awesome and I'm super excited I even brought Chris with me, my old bandmate. And I'm like, dude, like this is this is gonna be amazing. They loved me last time. The next time I came, they um it wasn't songwriters, the judges were ARs, they were ARs of publishing, and it was a completely different story. But they <laughs> did not like any of the music because they're like, it's not marketable, it sounds too old, it sounds too dated. I don't know anybody who would sing this now because it just sounds like it sounds way too old. And I was like, oh my God, like my heart like sank. And I think that tainted me for a while where I was like, I ha- I gotta like make current music. I have to make music that like could get placed with, you know, Summer Walker or SZA, you know what I mean? And that's not true because the fact of the matter is like the, the labels aren't the only vessel of music anymore. You know what I mean? Like the labels don't determine what you hear anymore. It's like, if you want to listen to old school folk or you want to listen to like polka music, you're going to find it and you can have a whole audience for it. You know what I mean? So, and people will find you and people will like seek out your sound. So I think breaking the rules in the sense of like, make what you like, because people will find it. Like people will definitely find it and you'll have your own audience. That's excellent. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you and it, it's hard to be a chameleon, you know, however, you have been able to take this skill of creating and you've been able to now turn it into, you've been able to monetize it. So mm-hmm. you've now you've uh, written 
some background music for some um, national public media projects, a whole podcast that YouTube put together with national public media. Talk about some of these other projects, talk about the creation process, mm-hmm. but also talk about how you got them, how, you know, how you've been able to monetize the Tima Likes Music brand beyond just being somebody who's funny and interesting on Instagram. Absolutely. Um, I'll just start with how I got it. Um, one thing that I'm going to say is that social media is really helpful as being your resume. And like, if you ever get the chance to just showcase every one of your skills on there, and even if skills that you don't think that are skills. So it's just, it's more than just playing. It's also teaching, breaking people, breaking down your process. Um, and different things like that, because what happened was a producer from NPR or National Public Media saw me explaining my production process and breaking down each instrument. And they had been following me for a while, but it wasn't until they saw that video that they saw that, oh, I'm actually like musical and like I know what I'm talking about. And if revisions are needed, I'm able to, you know, I know every part of it. I'm not just like, you know, doing loops or maybe sampling you know what I mean like I'm a musician that can do this and they contacted me and they they sent me a a sample audio I did a score for them and ever since then I got a contract with them and all their ads not all of them but like you know some of their ads um I add background music too um so the process for that is essentially um they say hey are you free for this thing um, let's say I get a notification on Monday, they probably need it by Friday. You know what I mean? And essentially, we have like a revision period, which is like 48 hours. So when I send to them on Friday, I just need to be around on Friday and maybe Monday for them to like, go back and forth with me on things. Um, and with that, I get an extensive sheet. I get a bunch of references, which I love. They send you examples of the ideas that they're looking for. Um, instruments they definitely don't want in there and for the most part they're really open and free because you learn that a lot of these people who are hiring scores aren't actually musicians you know what I mean so they're they're not as like nitpicky you know what I mean they're not like this key or this time signature um so then I have to listen to it first thing I do is I hear it and I put on my click track and I hear the tempo of it, which is weird because you have to find a tempo to the way someone's speaking. So if someone's speaking too fast, you might want to have the tempo be a little bit, little bit behind them to give the illusion that you're slowing them down. If they're kind of dragging, you might want to speed them up by having a faster um, BPM. And also the tone like if you're talking about if it's a very serious subject if you're talking about hospitals or whatever you don't want something too fast and too cheerful you know what i mean um cars technology cars are a lot faster because you're gonna get the illusion of movement right um then i put everything down i get the idea down i have to hear certain breaks in the voices and uh i send to them we go back and forth and then it's done until the next time I hope that wasn't too complicated. No, that's interesting. And you've done it for what what different brands have you done this for in conjunction with NPM? Yeah. Um, well, the YouTube one was separate. That was awesome because I didn't have to go with anybody's voice. I just kind of like they let let me just write 
and they went back and forth. Whereas um, the sponsors, I've done Kodak, I've done Mustang Ford, I've done Sierra Nevada, I've done, I'm missing somebody. Mustang. A lot of these brands, I don't even know who they are. It's, there's only one other that like I actually knew who this Wise. was. There was a couple, Wise, Wise. Not, not the potato chip brand, but it was a company called Wise. I think yeah, it was Wise. Um, going blank. There was a bunch. There was a bunch. Th- those are the top off the top of my head that like I knew. I'm like, I know who these people are. Like I knew who Ford was, but a lot of these companies, I didn't know who they were, but I've done a couple. That's great. Okay. And then it was also through them that you got the, what was the name of the YouTube podcast? The Upload. The Upload. Okay. Yeah. Which is great. So people can, if they want to go to YouTube, listen to that and you yeah. can listen to the background music and that's team likes music doing that. Yes. So national public media is great. You also were found by a company called Giphy. Mm-hmm. Talk about yeah. that. That was amazing. Yeah. I actually have a, a Instagram live with them next week. I believe, I think November 15th, but um, essentially Giphy found me because they are trying to introduce clips to their roster so if you know Giphy they're known mostly for short kind of boomerangs but they have no sound you know what I mean they're good for conversation good for reactions um, but they want to start introducing sound so they started something called the Giphy Studios Creators Club and they got 10 creators me included to make videos with sound and apparently I was the only musician like there was actors there was a bunch of so I was the only one doing jingles, which is pretty cool. And I got um, 10 jingles and they were different from my normal ones because they were very much like one worded jingles because they were things to be in conversation. Like, yes, no, I don't think so. Can you stop? You know what I mean? Things that can be evergreen and used all year, year long. And that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. So go on Giphy and use some of those clips. (laughs) And then the way they're structured, and I've seen them, they're cool, but ex- explain, you have the word, but what, what's the musical bed you're putting behind and how long are these? So the, you know, talk about the length of these as well. well yeah. Interesting, because it goes back to our conversation about the length of a song. And in a way, once again, you're redefining a song, which mm-hmm. begin, middle, beginning, middle and end. And in, in these gifies, in the gifts, you know, the clips, it's, yeah. it's like the beginning, middle, and end is is all inherent in the phrase or the word that you're saying when it combined with the sound. Yeah, it's crazy. I actually wanted to make them like three seconds. Like I wanted to have like one chord or just like one bar, like four beats of whatever I had to say. But they were like, can you make them a little bit longer? Just to, you know, I guess they just wanted like a jingle jingle, what they were used to seeing on Instagram. But for me, it was just like, okay how can I get this point across in a way that's also loopable? You know what I mean? That could just, it's funny every time it comes back around, comes back around. And also I'm thinking about what you just said about the, the begin, beginning, middle and end. Um, the jingles really helped me when it came to Giphy and it came to scoring because sometimes with scoring you have, really really short scores which are like 15 seconds and you have to find a way to make a beginning tell a story a beginning middle and end in 15 seconds so to have a five second beginning is like 
crazy and to tell a story that short is crazy but those jingles especially giphy like trained me to like think really really small and condense everything which is actually a, a pretty cool skill that may actually come back to to help you because you think about where we are in the world and you mentioned in the beginning of this you're a content creator and the way content is created and 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 viewed and and uh interacted with these days it's all really short very short content i mean mm-hmm. uh, you some people can do a two or three minute tiktok now but my mm-hmm. question would be for the majority of people watching that are they making it all the way through or are they getting 15 to 20 seconds in i got it and then they swipe up to the next thing mm-hmm. I think you're built now or you've created a system in which you can take advantage of the way the consumer is consuming content these days because you still have the music you still have the story you still have the sound but it's all complete in a really short amount of time which is what people the way we've sort of been trained now we're all sort of add when it comes to our phones and being on tiktok or instagram stories or whatever absolutely it's treating music music is now another form of content you know what i mean so it's like there's no separation we always think of it as like records you know what i mean which is like which it is, but if you think of it as another form of content, you'll get the most out of it. Whereas some people, they'll just like, I've seen like you you post the cover art and that's it. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yes, the music is the art, but it's now also the content. So it's okay to like, you know, really get the most out of it and split up into pieces and find different ways to like, to, to showcase it. It's not just like, out now like that, that's really really bad yeah it's just so different from yeah exactly when i was a kid it was give the gift of music would mm-hmm. be a big uh christmas pit sales pitch for like sam goody you know record stores when you'd watch an ad on tv or even sony had nice price you know they had all these little things but they wanted you to buy longer form content and mm-hmm. while there was also music video you would buy a video cassette in a, mm-hmm. the music section of a store and it would be you know six music videos or maybe michael jackson would do something beyond just the music video and make sort of a longer form but still music-based content but yeah. it was based upon long form and now we're talking about the the idea is the same is mm-hmm. the concepts are really much shorter streamlined and a song is 10 seconds long it's 12 seconds long it's just very exactly. but it's different exactly. same. And I think that also goes to you've been able to shift with it's funny. The ironic thing is here you are. Ta- we're talking about music that's sort of old school music that you create in a 21st century environment. And there's still people who are, who are upset that they create uh, an album, we'll call it, and they put it out on a CD and they don't realize that that CD is basically a form of merch that you're going to yeah. show. Nobody, you know, nobody else is going to buy that. Um, yeah. And so, and and the other idea is you're silly putting out a full album because in in three days, everybody forgot about it and you have nothing to promote for the next. And it ruins your sales history. Like, it just like, I feel like, I mean, if it's really in your heart, you're like, I want to make an album because like, I really want to like, okay, fine. But one thing for me, I haven't put out an album yet. I put out like little tapes, but 
I always said I'm not putting out an album until people ask for it. You know what I mean? And people are asking for it, but I'm like, dude, that's my number one thing. Do not put out any EP or album unless people ask for it because you, you're better you, you're better off just recording seven songs and releasing seven singles over the course of a year. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't make any sense because the fact of the matter is no one, it's hard enough. List, I have a hard time listening to like big people's full-length albums. Like I love Beyonce, but I'm like, I can't, like I don't have the attention span to sit down. I'm not going to like do it for you. You know what I mean? That's why when I dropped the Tima tape and going back to content, I only dropped that because people were asking for it. Like people were really, like really wanted it. And that's when all my jingles had um, blown up. And I'm like, I, I I have to, you know what I mean? And it, and it's, well, it's good. It's a good body of work that like people can refer back to, you know what I mean? But I'm not putting out another one unless people ask, like, unless a couple more people ask for it. And I feel like it, you know what I mean? Like there's no rush. I feel like everybody, a lot of times we're stuck in like, the 90s in a sense where we really want like that i have an album you know what i mean i have a record i have the deal like they'll do they'll say they just want to say they have these things even if it doesn't really make sense for their brand or for their career like i have a music video and i'm like that's money you could have used to record like eight singles or get yourself a nice little camera or even like for example i'm, I'm rambling i'm going on a rant right now like even recording right people like i'm in i'm in the studio and i'm just like that money you really could use to get yourself a little laptop and interface and a microphone you know what i mean yeah you can't take cute instagram stories with it it's cuter to take it at the studio with all your friends but like don't do things because just to say that you're doing it like do it if it like really makes sense and that includes recording an album promotion all those things. I'm off my soapbox now. That was my TED talk. No, I think that's good. I think the key thing for you, and this is an issue that artists and well, whether it's, we'll call it more on the music side, don't understand. And again, you're totally right about the paradigm, even, and it shocks me as, as somebody who's around young people all day long, college students who are creating, writing songs or, or now they're still talking about putting out an album. They're still talking about um, getting a record deal. They're still looking at these things. And, and if we bring somebody from a label in, they're like instantly drooling because sign me to whatever label it is. Uh, they, and as much as you talk and talk and talk about, that's not how it is in 2021. Things are different from 30 years ago. There's that sexy part of the industry, exactly like you said, I want to get a record deal. Then I can tell people, and chances are, if you got a record deal, it's not going to be a very good deal unless you're, you have already blown up. And they can just, as Steve Stout, who runs United Masters, says mm -hmm. that uh, major labels purchase content from artists and they just really taking music that's already been blowing up and they just put it on steroids and put a ton of money behind it. Yeah. Blow up even more and just for market share purposes. So... You, and I think you're absolutely right. And the thing about it is like deals aren't horrible. You just like it has to be right for you and it has to be a smart choice for you. You know what I mean? Like if you're doing it just to say you have it, it's not good at all. I saw somebody that was I saw this video and this guy made a great point. And he's like, I knew this this kid was like, I want a deal, I want a deal, I want a deal. And he's like, if you want a deal so bad, go get a credit card 
and do all the do all, that's actually a better deal for you you own all your music but you're getting loaned the money you know what i mean and pay for mm-hmm. all your and they're like no i don't want to owe that money i'm like you they're like you do know that's what a deal is though like they're loaning you money you know what i mean so it's like so you're, you, you're not prepared to pay back the credit card company, but, like, you're willing to go in even more debt for something that you don't fully understand. You know what I mean? Like, just to say you have a deal. Okay, go off. Yeah, it's almost like if you're going to get a deal, any sort of deal, and mm-hmm. deals are, there are all sorts of deals. Okay. You can get a deal with a, a major label, which everybody knows about. You can get a different types of deal with indie labels, or you can get a deal with a distributor like right. Symphonic or Empire. Um, we, maybe we can talk about, we won't bring up the name of the distributor, but we actually walked away from a deal Yeah. earlier this year. I, talk a little bit about maybe what that deal was and why we walked away without giving away any, in, you know, too much. Yeah, no, on paper, it was like actually a perfect deal for me. You know what I mean? Because I'm... For me, I never really wanted to have like my artistry and my performance artistry to be like 100% my income. You know what I mean? I wanted to be like a part like you. I wanted to most of my income to come from like writing and producing and stuff like that. And then like, you know, I put out my little my little songs, my little albums and all that stuff. Um, So this was perfect because it was a distribution deal. And the thing about it is I feel like a distribution deal worked for me because I'm someone who could come up with material really fast. They could put me in the studio with people. I could get like placements. I could do commissions. You know what I mean? For sync stuff. And I'm like, this is perfect. And then to put out my music, potentially get playlisting. Awesome. You know what I mean? And I owned a hundred percent of my music and I would just have to give a percentage, which was like perfect. You know what I mean? And I wasn't getting that many streams anyway. So it was like, I wouldn't be risking that much. But the the ANR that we were working with was like really flimsy, would disappear a lot, which was a big red flag because you're an ANR. When you get signed, you're trusting them to like be on your side, navigate for you, and get you work and get you placements. And a part of me was like, if you're like this in the deal process, how are you gonna be like after I get signed? Like, am I like are we gonna be hounding you about like placements and? and work and then eventually the person just disappeared off the face of the map and face of the map map of the yeah face of the map (laughs) and like you're just like okay you made it easy like we're not doing this you know what I mean and I think it was a really good decision because that's a huge a huge because in fact the signing the signing phase and the negotiation phase is usually when they show their best face. You know what I mean? Like, show me that you're going to slack after you sign. You know what I mean? It's like, I saw this show. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm going for this job. They should know what they're getting up front. And someone was like, no, you surprise them with that afterwards. You know what I mean? So, like, I was like, this is not a good sign. So I'm glad I walked away from that. And I'm fine. I live my best life. No, no, that was good. And so people know we actually did have an attorney with us as well. So it wasn't. Mm-hmm the two of us talking to this company. So we did have an attorney and this person at this company was not returning any calls from the attorney, wasn't returning emails. And the interesting thing was, so we told the attorney, um, he's got 24 hours to get back to us, reach out to him one more time and let him know we're going to walk away. And then no response. So then the attorney let 
the person know and said, we're walking away from this deal, you know, good luck with your future, whatever. Mm -hmm. To this day has never heard a word from that person. So it was great, a great decision, you know? So, so when we're talking about deals and everybody wants to deal, just because somebody's offering you some sort of deal, it's flattering and it makes you feel good, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, what that goes away, you know, it's just like, if you've ever been in love, eventually that like infatuation phase goes away right? and you either really love this person because you just like to be with them or it goes away and and it's that person is not who you thought that person was. And that's, this is what that was. They weren't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas I had a completely different experience and I feel like, I don't know if we're going to get to this, but um, with Fulton, the um what would you call it a production house yeah a production house in which you're creating content sort of on demand for them talk about what that was is yeah so that i signed with a production house Fulton music group and they were definitely very responsive very like on top of things even um threw me work before the signing process um and after i signed with them like they were on it they like kept giving me work i i the even the head the the ceo i would say like facetimes me often um when when he sends notes he calls me he sends me things on plugins um i even met up with um but he does like uh meetups with all the writers um he came to new york and like all the new york writers met up and we all like hung out and spoke um also, I met his baby, who's adorable, you know what I mean? Um, he's so sweet. And that's the kind of relationship that you want, where, like, they're punctual, they're they're, they're with it, they're on it, but they're also very much, like, we're going to, like, get this work done together and always finding ways to cultivate you um, as an artist because they know that, like, if you're not cultivated, then they're not thriving, you know what I mean? And he's even in talks of, like, doing... Uh, a writing camp with some some of like his colleagues from from certain um, labels which is like amazing you know what i mean so that's the that was a completely a complete 180 you know what i mean from the other distribution company and ultimately that's what i was going to the distribution company for was for sync and placements and commissions not necessarily like for playlisting i was like okay you know what i mean it's just like it's it's extra but like Fulton is like getting it done and I'm just like, okay, cool. It works itself out. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. We're in the end, you're getting it anyway. So that exactly. For you. exactly. So uh, we have a few minutes left. So mm-hmm. let's say, you know, we're two years, three years, five years away from now. What are you doing? Do you think? I am. I'm writing for uh I'm scoring uh, television. I'm scoring movies. Um, I've written a musical. I'm, I've written the next Hamilton. No, I've mm-hmm. done the music for like the next Hamilton. The next, it's not going to be rap. It's going to be R&B, New Jack Swing musical, the first New Jack Swing musical. Um, I'm going to be hosting SNL and performing at SNL. Um, I, I realized what I want to be. I was going to call you. I realized what <laughs> I want to be. I want to be Childish Gambino. Cause he's just like everything, but he's also very, like, he like lives his life. Nobody cares what he does, but like he's on, he does his own, he writes his own show. He's a comedian. He's a rapper. He's a musician. And I'm just like, Ooh, 
that's me. So I'm going to be Tima Gambino in five years. Boom. <laughs> there we go. That's a, that's a great thought. You know, that, that's a great comparison of Childish Gambino. Yeah. Um, I, w- I will say, though, that at one point, Childish Gambino fired his manager and went elsewhere. So I would request. Wow. Wow. That I know. I know that. That's why I said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting with his structure. So the, the manager of Childish Gambino uh, at the mm-hmm. time when we spoke with him. Managed the music career, but all mm-hmm. the, the Atlanta, the TV show. Um, you know, the films, all the other stuff that he was in, uh, he had an agent who was getting the gigs of a Hollywood, a Hollywood type agent. And then might have had those, a lot of uh, actors and actresses, people like that still have a manager, even in Hollywood. They might have an agent and they have a manager and they have a lawyer. So they still have a team mm-hmm. structured sort of with a different concept around what they're doing. You're you are unique because you have all these different abilities, you know, the one you can even dance, which is funny because you did a, a show called the Dreamwalk fashion show when you were in a band a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And I was involved with the uh, backstage production of that show. And I helped your band get on and, and Zach Matari, who I also managed to get on the show. But my mother-in-law still talks about you at that show. And the, the way you were, you basically stole the show with your, with your dancing. Yeah, like I wanted to be like Bobby Brown. I think I still want to be Bobby Brown. Like, so like the moment I hit, like I haven't been on stage recently, but the moment I get back on stage, like that's it. I'm hitting splits. I'm doing backflips. I'm doing all of it. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that's great. You're definitely fun to watch. So, okay. Um, final question is, let's back to social media briefly, because you have a, a separate voice for each platform and each uh, each section of each platform like instagram you treat posts differently from stories differently from reels differently from live and then there's also youtube and then there's also tiktok so talk about and then you're using twitter a mm-hmm. linkedin talk about your thought process around each section of each particular platform and how they're unique to each other yeah it's very tricky to find your voice but um you learn quickly that just reposting the same thing across all channels with the same language doesn't work you know what i mean it just doesn't work at all um so for example i'll use it uh like one post right if i think it's good enough doing it across all channels right so for example i dressed up as rick james for halloween right so uh instagram is more of the artistic polished app so i'll post the video and i'll have the the music i'll choose from the audio library the rick james music and then for the caption i'll do something artistic and obnoxious like fire and desire right then across twitter your goal for twitter is to get retweeted so you want something that's not too too personal that someone can retweet and it could still feel like it's them like so it's nothing that includes your name so and something that has a really ca- like eye-catching um, caption because that's what they see first, as opposed to Instagram, they see the caption second. So for Twitter, I put Halloween is a hell of a drug, and like, boom, that's that. That's the language for um, Twitter. It's very joke and pun based. TikTok is very not polished. It's very like 
apparently transparent. People want to see you. They want to, they want to see how things are done. You know what I mean? So I'll put, um, compilations of behind the scenes and like me getting dressed and me like being funny and and then show the outcome and have the 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 text of speech be like you won't believe how this this happened we did this you know what i mean and people like seeing like seeing the gritty behind it where instagram they don't really like that they more so like that in stories and then linkedin would be more for results. So you'd be like, hey, we posted this Rick James thing and it's got collective of 50,000 views. Yay us. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's a shame. It's a joke on TikTok that TikTok that no one likes LinkedIn because everybody's just like bragging about themselves. But that's your goal is to highlight, you know, your results. Um I'm at Facebook haven't gotten to her yet. I'm figuring her mm-hmm. out. Um and stories of course you repost and you show a lot of your face and you might say like hey i have this new post or this on the third so you it's hard to find those languages but you figure it out but even stories though are literally like little stories of your day like you and i keep i keep joking with uh about your crispy haircut mm-hmm. and you go on yeah. and you have three or four panels of you basically doing a rant yeah that your haircut yeah it's a it's a, I treat stories like a mini podcast. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and I make it look, you cannot make story. Do not promote things on stories too, too much. Like don't put your cover art on the story. You know what I mean? You have to treat your story like a FaceTime phone call. So you have to like make it like an angle where it would be if you were talking to your friend because people are clicking your story because they want to be closer to you. You know what I mean? So if they're clicking on you and they just see what they what everyone else would see, they're like, I'm not doing this anymore. Whereas if you're like, yeah, I had this haircut and it was terrible, they feel like they're on FaceTime with you and they feel closer to you. That's the trick. <laughs> there we go. And that's it. <laughs> and, that, and that's yeah. good. Um, I think there is a lot. I mean, I, I say that's it. It actually we are done, but also that, that, that's it. The, the magic, you just gave everybody the magic sauce. They can all be extremely successful and monetize their social media habits. So good for you and good for the people listening. So everybody again, go to Tima likes music, find her everywhere and, you know, even Google her and you can find out, read even more about her. And she's gotten some really good press about her. And Kelly Clarkson is the person who helped blow her up. Again, we're November 2nd, 2021. It was a basically a year ago that it was, it was Rocktober, I guess, the middle of Rocktober. Yeah. But then it really blew up in the weeks after Kelly Clarkson. So yeah. it's really pretty cool. So Tima. And tell Instagram to verify me, please. Yes. that's <laughs> yeah. The one thing that we didn't get into was, uh, was all, all the different people at Instagram who are or aren't there anymore, who were there a year ago and, and might not be in. And all the different things there in terms of you're one of a, a very big creator for them and you're not verified, you know. I just wanted so I could contact people that inspire me so that they could actually open it when they see the check. I want to like DM Beyonce and be like, hey, like she's not gonna answer, but you know. No, no, no. <laughs> just DM me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Tima, we are ending our show. Do you know what we say at the end of every show? I forgot. We do not say hello because that would be silly. Because you say hello at the start, unless you're saying aloha, then you can say it both at front and back. But we are neither saying aloha nor are we saying hello at the end of every show. We we say is adios. Adios.
to find Harmony. Adios. Adios. Yeah, it was pretty good. Adios. <laughs> you didn't tell me the taxes would be so high, but the rent is due on time. That I'd pay these bills for life. That I'd had to pay for food. Never knew or understood that I am on my own for good. My own for good. Go ahead.